Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sawcox. It might seem that this week's edition of Insight proves our support of MAGA and the Trump 24 campaign, but you'll be delighted to learn that nothing can extinguish our general disdain. You're fired. On The Apprentice reboot, we all want to see politicians are busy trying to look prepared for a summer of bushfires. We have some burning questions about the regulators' corporate plans. As the kids say, it's lit. And I was tempted to link a funeral insurance company's ASIC woes with cremation, but I was worried it wasn't the perfect match. Hello, everyone. This week, I'm joined by senior journalist Bernice Han, deputy editor Wendy Pugh, editor John Deeks, and chairman Terry McMullen. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. I guess bushfires are no laughing matter, but Donald Trump is. <laughs> They're both explosive. <laughs> Very nice. Hi, Benice. Hi, Andrew. Are you too hot to candle? I don't know really right now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Wendy. Oh, hello, Andrew. I know you love a good fire pun. And I've enjoyed the one so far. Oh, excellent. And good morning, John. Hello. You flame to please. Absolutely. Well, we're talking bushfire risk again. What's the latest as we head into spring? Yeah, so we've been banging on about this for quite a lot lately, but with good reason. Last week, there were a couple more reports from the Bureau of Meteorology that were concerning, to say the least. So we've had our warmest winter on record, and the Bureau also released an outlook looking at the next few months. And it says that uh, it's very likely that we'll have a warm and dry spring which is only going to make the bushfire threat worse. As you know, we're, we're on El Nino alert and that situation is continuing. The Bureau still hasn't declared an El Nino, but to an extent, I'm not sure that matters. There are other factors out there. There's a, there's a positive Indian Ocean dipole brewing and our ocean temperatures are, are, are hotter than they've ever been, apparently. Which which will just add to the problem. Um, so yeah, if we if we get a spring that's um, not much rainfall, high temperatures, then could lead to an early start to the bushfire season and some nasty bushfires. And uh, Suncorp came out with a report this week saying that a lot of Australians don't understand bushfire very well. You know, fifty five percent of participants of the survey they did thought that rivers and creeks or roads could stop the path of an intense bushfire, which is not not correct. 55% of Australians also didn't know that the front of the fire is the most dangerous part. And there are other, other statistics like that. Suncorp also released a list of the places that are most at risk. They do a lot of analysis of claims data and climate data to come up with the places that they're most concerned about. So if you have a look at our analysis article, you'll you'll be able to read all about that this week. Well, meanwhile, the politicians are busy trying to look prepared, Bernice. Yeah, that's right. I'm guessing that they're not taking any chances after 2019, the 2019-20 Black Summer bushfires. They want to be ready in control of the host and not holidaying somewhere in Hawaii like in 2020, someone was holidaying there. So uh, anyway, um, federal and state governments will gather this month for the uh, inaugural National Bushfire Preparedness Summit. So it will take place over two days uh, in Canberra, September 25th to 26th. About 250 crisis management uh, response and recovery specialists from governments, industry and community uh, and the not-for-profit sectors uh, are, will be attending the event. So Murray Watt, the Federal Minister for Emergency, is saying that the summit is basically aimed at ensuring um, all these key stakeholders know what to do and the resources that are available to them should, the, uh, should we have a fierce bushfire season 
So he says that, you know, um, they want to be prepared, uh, do everything that's possible and be ready at every level, given that this is shaping up to be the first significant uh, fire season since uh, Black Summer. Yep. What do you reckon, Terry? Are brokers and clients taking the threat seriously enough? Well, I'm sure brokers are. You'd expect the brokers to be talking to the relevant clients about bushfire risks and the, the need to minimise the risks as much as possible by, you know, doing the normal things, sealing up buildings as best you can to stop the ingress of embers, removing anything that could fuel the fire, things like that. But I, I don't think there's any, you know, formal sort of uh, procedures that brokers are going through, possibly they should. But, you know, as that survey points out, you know, we, we don't even know where the whole communities, even right in the bushfire zones, are prepared. So, yeah, we, we really do need to get our act together rather quickly on all this. Well, Wendy, there's been significant news announced by listed collision repairer AMA Group. Yes, we'd been, actually been expecting to release their uh, annual results by Friday, but instead there are a couple of other announcements. So um, their chairman, Anthony Day, used to be with uh, Suncorp, has left after nearly five years on the board. CEO, uh, CEO Carl Bison is going to step down from that role at the AGM on November 23. So Caroline Waldron has stepped into the chairman role and they'll be looking for a new CEO. And the company also requested a trading halt for an equity raising. You know, so all this has come about after a, a, a difficult period for the company, which has been uh, hard hit by COVID and um, which since then has said it's been squeezed by rising costs and arrangements with insurers that don't reflect those. And it also a few weeks ago um, downgraded its earnings guidance for the for the current financial year. Well, how do you see this one, Terry? Insurers need smash repairers, don't they? Yeah, well, they do. But I'm just not sure about AMA. Look, a rushed 60 million equity raising, the departure of the chairman and the CEO, and it's the country's biggest smash repairer. It's a pretty good indication that things must be getting tighter in the smash repair industry. In fact, if you look at the share price of AMA, pretty much over the last 10 years, you'll see that its share price fell dramatically in 2020, which was, of course, when COVID started being a problem, and it has never recovered from that. It has carried a, a you know, it is very big. It's got 130 sites around the country. And it's already, it has previously lost $320 million. So, of course, all that comes back to the insurers who pay them, apparently. Certainly, smash repairers are still not earning as much as they did pre-COVID, and that is causing problems. I don't know what the, um, you know, the, the real basis of all this is, but it's probably time we found out. Well, APRA's corporate plan is out, Bernice. What should our industry be looking out for? Quite a fair bit. So the uh, corporate plan did, did zoom in a bit, a fair bit on insurance, uh, specifically the increased frequency and severity of natural disasters linked to climate change, of course, and the resulting consequences on insurance affordability. So APRA is going to be looking at all that. And um, APRA has also pointed out that, you know, it is concerned about the uh, impact on insurers in the form of rising claims costs, which of course of, has a chain reaction on profitability and reinsurance costs. So um, the reinsurance challenge is especially worrying for uh, APRA. So in the corporate plan, APRA says it will be uh, reviewing the prudential requirements for reinsurance 
to ensure that they remain fit for purpose. And over the course of the corporate plan, uh, which basically covers four years, the, the, the next four years to 2026, 2027, uh, APRO will be conducting a climate vulner vulnerability assessment to assess the impact of climate risk on access and affordability of uh, insurance. So there's a lot going on for insurers in the next four years um, with the APRO corporate, uh, corporate plan. Yep. And Wendy ASIC has released its plans too. Yes, it's also um, put out its uh, four-year plan and the sort of broad focus areas include, you know, um, product design and distribution uh, laws and it's looking at technology changes, particularly the use of AI. But more specifically and in the near term for insurance, it says it will uh, review poor claims handling practices, focusing on delays, poor communication and record keeping and also looking at those wear and tear exclusions. And it warns it will take enforcement action against pricing and claims handling misconduct um, with a particular focus on, on home insurance. Well, talking of enforcement, Benice Asik is taking the directors of a funeral insurance company to court. Yeah, so it's uh, the funeral insurer is uh, Upla Group. So basically, Asik has um, commenced civil penalty proceedings against five former directors. So Upla is also used to be called Aboriginal Community Benefit Fund, ACBF. And our listeners may recall that Upla's um, troubles basically started um, at the 2018 Hain Royal Commission hearings. I mean, the hearings heard how Upla targeted indigenous, indigenous, indigenous community, selling them worthless uh, funeral insurance products. So basically in the uh, penalty proceedings launched last week, uh, ASIC is alleging that the five directors breached their duties. Uh, in signing up to insurance arrangements with a Vanuatu company called Crown Insurance Services. So two of the directors owned and controlled Crown, so they benefited financially from the arrangements. And Crown's only customer is Upla, and that and, and, and the Crown policies were renewable annually. So in 2017, the directors agreed to double the premiums paid to Crown. So basically, uh, ASIC is alleging that the move was to benefit the two directors who own uh, Crown. Yep. Well, we've been following this sorry story since the Hain Royal Commission. Could this be the final act, Terry? Well, it's good to see the, this whole sordid thing finally coming to a head. But these things also tend to hang around like a bad smell. I can't comment on a live court case, but as Bernice has pointed out, the details dug up at the Hain Royal Commission were shocking enough. You have to wonder, or I always wonder anyway, moving beyond just just how many victims there are of these kinds of things, but you have to wonder about the reputational damage that, that fringe enterprises do to the overall insurance industry's brand, if I may use that term, Andrew. I really can't say much more than that. I, I might not stop. Wendy, a sentence that I can barely understand myself. A hurricane made landfall in Florida, which tends to send a shudder through the industry. Well, yes, Hurricane Idalia crossed the Florida coastline um, at Category 3 strength last Wednesday, which actually was a bit uh, weaker than they were fearing at one stage, but uh, it still brought 200 kilometres an hour winds and storm surges and heavy rain and then it sort of weakened into a tropical storm as it went through Georgia and South Carolina and and, and went back out to sea from North Carolina. So AM Best says it caused significant property damage that will result in sizable losses for the insurance industry, but at least it did actually uh, cross the coastline at a relatively sparse 
sparsely populated area, sort of the, the called the, the Big Bend region, and and the impact on reinsurance is expected to be minimal. Have we dodged a bullet with this one, John? Yeah, I'm not sure we entirely dodged the bullet, but perhaps it's just a flesh wound rather than than, than anything fatal. But um, yeah, hurricanes in the US and Florida, we've got used to them maybe doing 50, 60 billion dollars worth of damage. So the estimates so far for this one are more like 5 billion. So I guess we'll settle for that. But it's still not good news. Insurers across the US are apparently struggling to come to terms with climate change and the impact it's having on natural catastrophe risk. We were looking at a headline in the Washington Post, which says, home insurers cut natural disasters from policies as climate risks grow. Some of the largest US companies say that extreme weather has led them to end certain coverages and exclude natural disaster protections, this story says. So we're going to have a look at that and see if there are any lessons we can learn from it for the local market. But yeah, we thought that home insurance was a problem here, but it seems like it's even more of a problem in America. And that brings us to the end of this week's Insight podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to our panel, Wendy Pugh, Benice Han, John Deeks and Terry McMullen. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week. Hold up. 